Welcome in to the Bet the Nerds Fantasy Show. Will and Aaron here today with four days until the season starts. We're recording on Monday, so the season starts on Thursday. Um, I guess you guys might be wondering why the name of the show has changed. If so, please pause this episode and go watch the or go listen to the announcement we just posted on Spotify about our recent change in platform. Um, we're really excited for this new platform, and we hope you guys uh, like it a lot. Today's episode uh, will be around training camp hype with some of the names that have been brought up by coaches in training camp, uh, some recent news, and we're going to talk about our drafts that we've recently been involved in. Will and I actually were in a draft together, and then our we're going to add in a little uh, DFS, DraftKings stuff, because we want you guys to get used to us talking about that stuff. We haven't talked about it a lot because it's hard to talk about that when the season's not going on. But we will try and factor that into our shows a little bit when we do have time because it's really interesting to talk about DFS. Um, but let's get into the news. There's a lot of news because training camp is ramping up last week as we get into the season. First piece of news, 33-year-old receiver, A.J. Green, full participant, ready to go for the season for week one against the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, are you putting A.J. Green into your lineup? What do you think about A.J. Green's outlook? So I don't own him in any leagues, but if you have him as your wide receiver three, you can play him as a flex, but the matchup against the Chargers corners is not great. Um, I don't expect a lot of high volume for A.J. Green, so you're hoping for a touchdown. If there, if you, if you like a better option like Michael Gallup, I would go with that. But if you need to play A.J. Green, this news suggests that you're able to do so. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. A.J. Green's a tough play because, like, it, we haven't even seen him play a, a football game in a year, yeah. right? He missed every game last year. I, like, my temperature on A.J. Green was raising, was falling. Uh, he got hurt early in camp, so I was, like, kind of off. I don't want him to be re-injured and be on my team as my third receiver who I'm relying on every week. Um, but I think that if you have a good depth of receiver, you're happy with A.J. Green because he will be... Again, the Chargers have a good defense, but he will be good most weeks when he's on the field. Yeah. All right, so second piece of news, Debo Samuel, wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, was dealing with an injury. It was very, um, I guess, not clear when he was going to return. He was predicted to return. Like One prediction was end of October. One prediction was now. I guess it is now. He's just been activated off of um, the injured list or the pup list. I don't know which one he was on. But Debo Samuel should be active. I don't think he's going to be a full go for week one, but he should be on the field for at least maybe 60% of his usual snaps at least. So that should be good for the 49ers because he is their best wide receiver weapon and they were just very thin at that position. Um, what do you think about Debo Samuel, uh, I guess, this week and full season? Yeah, full season, I think this is very promising news if you have Debo Samuel. This week, not playing him. I think this also takes out of play Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne because they were only potentially viable if Samuel was out. Samuel in any capacity makes those guys pretty much just total dart throws that I'm not going to get any part of. So, Um, Okay, so then their third piece of news, Deshaun Watson. He got the bag. They were talking about it after the Mahomes um, extension, but Watson signs a four-year, $160 million extension with the Houston Texans. And, uh, like, like... it's it's just kind of weird to me where they put their money, you know. They they paid Watson, but they didn't pay Hopkins. I obviously think that's right. They paid Watson, but now they've diminished the targets around him. It just doesn't seem to click in my head like why they're doing this. But what do you think about the Watson extension? I think obviously it's well deserved for him. That's like 
there are very few quarterbacks that deserve $40 million more than Deshaun Watson. So that's great. But you mentioned like the Texans with their money, they can't afford to give Hopkins like an extension or, or more money, but they can afford to bring in Randall Cobb for 9 million a year. Right. Like nothing is really making sense about their financial moves. I don't question Bill O'Brien, the coach, but I very much question Bill O'Brien, the GM, but this yeah, move, this move in that. itself, great move for them. All right, uh, fourth piece, my Chargers signed Keenan Allen, 28-year-old receiver, to a four-year, $80 million extension. Uh, I mean, I think talent-wise he's deserving of this money. It's easier for a team to do this when they have a quarterback like Justin Herbert on a rookie deal. They can pay. They've been paying Bosa. They've been paying Keenan Allen. Um, I think they're going to try and uh, – and then they paid Austin Eckler. They're going to keep trying to pay people. I think Melvin Ingram should be next. Um, but Keenan Allen under contract for the next four years, we don't really, um, project him to be a great receiver in fantasy just because of the, uh, continuity of Phillip Rivers out the door. Tyrod Taylor's not as high volume passer as Rivers is. And this offense, I think this whole team is going to be moving towards a defense first, uh, running team because they have a great running back in Eckler and a very talented defense. So, but as a real-life receiver, Keenan Allen is still amazing. Yeah, and I think actually for fantasy, for the first few weeks, their matchups are really good. Um, yeah. I know that they play the Bengals week one, which is great. The Chiefs week two, which is like obviously a tough opponent, but not like a top-tier defense. And I forget right. who they play week three, but it's it's not a, a great opponent, a uh, great yeah. defense. So Keenan Allen for the first few weeks, if you have him in fantasy, plug him into your lineups and feel pretty good about it. Obviously, if, yeah, yeah, and then we're gonna. Well, you can keep going actually on that one. I was just say like for the full season, I don't know his outlook is still a little bit suspect because the volume's gonna be lower, but he's still the number one guy in the offense. And if Mike Williams misses a lot of time, which we're gonna like we're gonna talk about in a bit, he's yeah. gonna get even more targets. So I think he's actually becoming quite a good value. Okay, let's segue into that then. Mike Williams uh, set to miss the entire month of September, three or four games in that month. Um, that should, I mean, that does help Keenan Allen. The volume will increase a tad bit, but the one thing I really want to note is Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry, when Mike Williams is off the field, gets twice as much looks in the red zone. And we know that Taylor's not a great throwing quarterback, but there will be touchdown passes to be had here. And I think Hunter Henry will benefit from Mike Williams missing some time. Um, again, we mentioned that easy schedule. If you want to draft Hunter Henry in the ninth round and slot him in as your starting tight end week one, I'm so comfortable with that. Like, there's so many other like worse avenues you could go. People drafting Evan Ingram, Rob Gronkowski in those late rounds. I would rather have Hunter Henry on my team, getting me 10 to 12 points week one. Yeah, I drafted Darren Waller in one of my leagues, so I, I didn't want to like also have Hunter Henry because I'm not going to play two tight ends and I'm not going to bench Darren Waller. But he went undrafted in my league, which is just bizarre. So I think I just have to pick him up and maybe I'll trade him after a few weeks if he plays well because there's no way this guy should be on waivers. Yeah, I completely agree. There's no way he should be on waivers. I think he'll have a very good week one, maybe some trade value in there with that. Um, Patriots cut Lamar Miller. This isn't huge news because Lamar Miller was probably not going to play coming off a torn ACL, but it does clear up the running back room a little bit. Damian Harris is set to miss week one. Um, So I guess it's... I, I think Brandon Bolden's still on the team. Uh, Not 100% maybe. sure. But he's usually like a special teams guy. So I guess it's really between Sonny Michelle and Rex Burkhead 
for this week one starting well, and role. Can and you James start White in the passing game? Sorry, James White in the passing game as well. I'm struggling with my decision to start running back two after Leonard Fournette signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I cannot start Ronald Jones. I don't feel comfortable with that. I'm struggling to pick between Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, and Sonny Michelle. I think the upside with Taylor is there. But Michelle, with the safety, with the Patriots playing against the Miami Dolphins, it's it's enticing. Yeah, and also, the I don't know if you heard the coach speak from Frank Reich about their backfield, but he said Marlon Mack is the starter, and his reasoning was like, he said, Mack's been a great running back for three years for us, so like that he gets the job. So it almost feels like they're giving him the job based on what he's done. It was almost like right. a courtesy to him. But like yeah. he also said they're going to ride the hot hand, which basically to me says the second Taylor starts popping off, it's going to be all Taylor all the way. Yeah, and I mean, I was texting you about like how Mac is the incumbent and he should get like the veteran uh, nod in the red zone work. But just really quickly, I, ju- I literally just got this notification from Sleeper. Uh, the Patriots have signed running back J.J. Taylor from their practice squad and placed Damian Harris on IR oh my per source. Harris will miss at least three games. Um, and Taylor had a great camp. That's um quote right from the Patriots camp. So J.J. Taylor, I, like, I've never, who I okay, you? Okay, okay. Never this heard of this guy, but I do know. you know? Oh, JJ, Will with the knowledge. J.J. Taylor, I think he's like 5'6". He's a, a running back. Uh, he played at University of Arizona. Um Wow. I obviously I'm a student at University of Oregon, but I grew up as an Arizona fan because my mom went to school there. And JJ Taylor has some burners. I don't know what he I don't, th- really? I don't think he ran at the combine, but he has elite speed. He's not gonna be a workhorse back for them. Like I don't think you're starting him in fantasy, but watch out for JJ Taylor. He's he is very, very speedy. Maybe I will. Well, I'm just on my phone right now trying to drop Damian Harris because I was in on the hype, and now he's out for three games. There's no way I'm keeping him on my roster if he's going to miss three games. Um, Moving on, Raiders trade Lynn Bowden, their third-round pick to the Miami Dolphins. Kind of confusing here. I I think that they thought Bowden was something that he's clearly not, and they got what they could out of him. But, I mean, is there anything you want to say on that before we move on? Yeah, well, just one thing is there were rumors that it was a personality thing. Mike Mayock, Raiders GM, said not personality, it's a football decision. And the thing about Lynn Bowden is the Raiders drafted him as a running back, but the Raiders were, I think, the one of like two teams in the NFL that actually viewed him as a running back. Every other team sees him as a receiver. So for Miami, there this doesn't affect Jordan Howard or Matt Breida. It just adds more receiver depth behind Devontae Parker and uh, Preston Williams because there really isn't much behind them. Right, they lost uh, Alan Hearns and um, Albert Wilson, so that that's probably why they made the trade. Um, and then we're like, maybe this is John Gruden thinking that he does trust Josh Jacobs, but news comes out of the camp today, looking to add Dare Agumbawale after the Buccaneers cut him. Um, Agumbawale is a, he's not very talented, but he does specialize in receiving, and they already added the Oriddick, so I really just don't think the Raiders trust Josh Jacobs Riddick got cut, receiving. Actually, yesterday. Riddick got cut. Okay, that's my bad. But they do want to add Agumba Wale to replace that third down role. Um, I still think Jacobs will get an uptick in targets and catches, but not maybe to the extent that we want him to and think he's talented enough to. Uh, what do you think about that situation? Yeah, I I still like Jacobs. I think he's good enough to get some more targets. But even though they cut Theoretic, all these moves Raiders are making are just telling me that 
that you just don't fully trust them as a receiver. Right. And on, I think on obvious passing downs, Jacobs is going to get taken off the field for guys like Gumbuale. But on like a third and three where they might pass, might run, I think you're still going to see guys like Jacobs in there. Yeah. All right. Last piece of news. This is only put in here because I want to validate my argument against you. Kansas City Chiefs have cut DeAndre Washington. And just because – I think that you actually had a pl- point played into this because you were uh, saying how good he was at catching the passes. But And that, that is true. But there goes your argument. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is now the running back three in fantasy because of this. Uh, DeAndre Washington cutting. What do you think about it? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> prior to this news, I did have Kamara ahead of Edwards-Hilaire. But amidst all the Kamara contract stuff, and then he had, he had like an epidural injection in his – knee or something or his back I don't even know what that was so there were just a bunch of concerns that started mounting up about Kamara all of a sudden in like a couple weeks so after all that I moved Edward Slayer above Kamara and this just totally solidifies it Edward Slayer is my third overall player too and I'm still seeing him go like seventh eighth ninth tenth it's actually fourth Saquon and Zeke I forgot about that yeah Yeah. but he's going um, going much later in drafts and it's criminal yeah, he's, he's ranked like ninth on ESPN, and he should be a top five pick for sure. Um, okay, moving on to one of our favorite segments, Training Camp Hype Train, where we highlight some of the players that you wouldn't otherwise hear about who might have a chance to surprise this year. First piece of news, Eric Ebron, uh, Pro Bowl tight end of 2018, a mismatched chess piece in the Steelers' offense, according to um, Coach Mike Tomlin. So, I mean, I was kind of enticed by Vance McDonald last year. That didn't work out. Does Ebron appeal to you at all in the Steelers' offense? They still have Vance McDonald, so the snap share for Ebron isn't going to be high. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Vance McDonald's better as a blocker than a pass catcher, so we could see kind of a Eric Ebron-Jack Doyle like combination that we've seen in the past couple of years where they both get work in the receiving game, but it's been Ebron in the red zone, so maybe... They both get a lot of work this season, but Ebron gets the red zone work. I don't know what it's going to look like. They have four capable receivers on the team with Juju, Deontay Johnson, uh, Chase Claypool, and James Washington. So I don't expect them to run a ton of two tight end sets to keep two of those guys off the field at all times. So maybe this spells the end of Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron's just the guy, but I still don't trust him on a weekly basis. I think it's weird to me because we've been talking about like how we think the Steelers are going to be more of a run-heavy team, but Eric Ebron's not really a running-blocking tight end, right. but they're saying that he's... I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe we're wrong about them being more run-heavy, but it would seem to me that like they would want to use Roethlisberger's 38-year-old arm less and use their, their very talented offensive line, their plethora of running backs... Um, to win games. I don't know. It, it, we could be wrong about it. What do you think? Um, one thing to note about Roethlisberger, and I don't know if this is like just him talking out of his ass, but he said he has been playing with pain in his arm for 13 years, and now that he's had his elbow surgery, the pain is gone. So I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I don't know if he's like just BSing or maybe this is going to be the best Roethlisberger we've ever seen. I don't know. Just a, a weird quote that I don't know what to make of. Yeah, Philip Rivers said that before his fourth kid. So <laughs> we're just going to – That's I don't believe in that. That is fake news. No way. 
Um, all right, Josh Kelly, uh, running back for the Los Angeles Chargers, gets praise from Austin Eckler that there's going to be a one-two punch. We were talking about a little committee-type back going on in Los Angeles. I don't think anyone expected Eckler to be like a 240-carry-type player, just not the type of body type that he has. Um, and Josh Kelly's a bigger dude. I mean, at UCLA, he was bowling people over. He's pretty quick. He's sneakily quick, quick for his size. I think Josh Kelly will definitely get some work in this offense. I don't think it'll take too much away from Eckler. I've actually been raising Eckler a lot lately because Mike Williams is hurt, and Eckler does line up outside a lot, and he could take some of that work away as Williams is hurt. Yeah. Um, Kelly's a good player. I don't think that Kelly's success in any way is attached to Eckler. So if Kelly does well, it doesn't mean Eckler's not doing well. They have completely different defined roles where Eckler... Right. Eckler only needs, like, 500 rushing yards to be, like, a top 15 fantasy running back because he gets so much work in the passing game. So there's plenty of rushing work for guys like Josh Kelly. Justin Jackson, I liked him last year, but it seems like he's getting phased out. So if Josh yeah. Kelly's, like, the first and second down workhorse, like, if he's getting all the carries... There's some value, and if Eckler gets hurt, then Kelly could be a f- full-time two-down guy. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. Third training camp hype story, more like two players mixed into one uh, for the Jaguars after they cut Leonard Fournette. They're kind of piecing it together at the running back position. Uh, James Robinson and Devane Ozigbo. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely butchered that. Two Who Are You candidates. And Doug Marone says they both might have a, re- a role in the Week One offense for the Jags. For the Jags, what do you think about Ozigbo and Robinson? Like, do, I I don't think we feel comfortable starting any of them. But I, what's the long term value? Unless one of these guys starts getting like three down workloads, I'm just gonna completely ignore them for the entire fantasy season. I just it's just gonna be a total headache if I try to like piece together which Jaguars running back to start. Right. Like, like. Do I want someone on a committee of a 2-14 and 14 pass-heavy team? Absolutely not. I don't care who starts. I This is just gross. Yeah, I, I think you could give a shout to Chris Thompson, though. Like When he's on the, when he's on the field, even with Washington, he's very consistent. And if they're going to be a pass-heavy team, he's not your first option playing. But if you do have some bye weeks or injuries, he's not he's not a bad option. I really hope Devaney Osbo... <laughs> Uh, is relevant because I love this name. I want to keep butchering it. Uh, but that's it for training camp hype. Let's move on to some draft talk. Will and I were just in some drafts together. Um, we can go through uh, how we think our draft went. We had one auto pick that kept on stealing my players from me, took Darius Slayton from me, uh, took Carson Wentz, a few other guys. How'd you feel about our 12 team half PPR draft? I felt good. Let me pull up my team really quickly. But, um, I took, I believe it was Clyde with the sixth pick in the draft, and that angered some people. Uh, <laughs> but it's just because I had, like, people, I think the person drafting at 10 thought he was going to get him there because that's where he's ranked, but there was no way I was going to let him get past that point. Right. Um, and then I actually took receivers pretty heavily in this draft, more than I normally do. Uh, Devontae Adams became a value in the second round, so I took him. Uh, he's like he's not someone I've been like heavily targeting this offseason, but when you're in a draft, like when players that you don't think are going to become values become values, 
don't be afraid to take them, even if you didn't, never thought you were going to take them. So, right. got Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley, uh, Jonathan Taylor, like all guys. That, I picked guys that I like, Terry McLaurin, Michael Gallup. So, uh, I was able to pick a lot of guys that I like, and I felt pretty good about my team. All right, well, I just have one note, because I was, I mean, as you know, we were on Zoom together. You could see I was making my pesto pasta, you know, cooking up in the kitchen <laughs> while I was doing the draft. Just a note to self. Never cook pesto pasta while you're drafting. Although it was fire, I missed out on getting Lamar Jackson because I was only looking at the wide receivers page instead of the whole team. <laughs> and I wanted to – I took McCaffrey first. I had the first pick. Took Allen Robinson second. And I wanted to – I went with Galladay third, and I'm not mad about it. But I think my wide receiver depth with DJ Chark and Will Fuller on my team as well as Henry Ruggs, who I think should, should have some value, um, it would have been good if I had Lamar. I think my wide receiver depth would have held up nicely. Um, I struck gold. Cam Akers fell to me. And I was like, okay, I, I think Cam Akers will be good by week three, week four. So I need to get another running back to start week one, week two. But then there's this news about Daryl Henderson coming out with hamstring issues. And if Cam Akers can get the job week one against the Dallas Cowboys, and then he shows them how talented he is, I'm very happy about that. I might start Cam Akers week one. We'll see how that goes. I think that Will and I are both – pretty happy with our teams i think i could be happier if i had lamar jackson but i'm not mad about it is there any other leagues you want to talk about well in my other league speaking of lamar jackson he went in the fourth round which i just never see he never goes that late uh i ended up taking calvin ridley over him which might ruffle some feathers but i just i really hate taking quarterbacks that early so i that's why i did that um but he went super late. The person that got uh, Christian McCaffrey also got like Travis Kelsey, Chris Godwin, and Lamar Jackson. It was kind of crazy. Wow. So that, that team looks pretty scary. Um, I've always been stressing drafting late-round tight ends, but in this league, on a whim, I just decided to pick Darren Waller in the fifth round just because I didn't like any of the running backs that were available, and I knew that I could get Michael Gallup at my next pick. So that was something I've never really done before. I haven't taken a tight end before, like, round 9 or 10. But I like how it turned out, and I think Darren Waller could be a pretty big reception monster this year. Yeah, I've actually gone all in on the tight end early. Like, if I get if I have the chance to get Kelsey, I'm basically taking it every chance I get. The, the thing is, for me, I've made it a math equation. So let's say I take Kelsey in the second round over a guy like Aaron Jones, Okay. But if I'm waiting on that tight end, let's say I take Blake Jarwin, Blake Jarwin's going to average like maybe 8 to 9 points a week, whereas Kelsey's going to average between 15 and 17. But that backup running back that I'm taking instead of Aaron Jones will probably average like, or that running back too, probably average around 11 to 13 points, whereas Aaron Jones is going to get like 15 to 17. So it's really a drop-off from Kelsey to Jarwin would be like 10 points, whereas Jones to like Devin Singletary for week one is like 5 or 6 points. So it became a math equation, and I think that like the real lack of depth at tight end, and I just I know we have all these super guys, but I don't really feel comfortable in starting any of them. So in one of my leagues, I have McCaffrey and Kelsey. I took Kelsey with the 24th pick. Somebody came all the way back to me. Kelsey and Godwin. Um, but then in one of my other leagues, um, this I had the 12th pick. I ended up going Jacobs and then Kelsey on the turn because this was one of the leagues that I wasn't like full into. Um, not one of the leagues that like is uh, I guess one of my main leagues, but I wanted to see what would happen if I went Kelsey with basically a pseudo first-round pick. And my team turned out pretty nicely. I have Jacobs, uh, Singletary as my running back two just to start against the Jets week one. And then I have Robert Woods, DJ Chark, and Travis Kelsey, and Michael Gallup. So my wide receivers 
and tight end spot are pretty stacked. I'm happy with that. It turned out nicely, and we'll see how it goes from there. What do you think about that? Well, so what I was like, I've been brainstorming about the tight end like thought process for a long time, and what I've kind of come down, what it's come down to for me is when you draft the guy like Kelsey or Kittle, you're basically getting a wide receiver one, like a, like a right. back end wide receiver one that you can play in the tight end spot. So right. if the, the only way I draft guys like that is if I trust my ability to find uh, quality receivers down the line, right? Because yeah. if I can find wide receiver twos later on, then I can have that positional advantage at tight end and still be good at receiver, and that sets my team apart. So this year is a year where I really trust my ability to find late receivers, so I was more on board with taking those early tight ends than I would be in years prior. Yeah, I completely agree with you, and I even ended up with Lamar Jackson in one of my leagues. I have Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Galladay, Chark, and um, Marquise Brown as my flex. I'm trying to trade Brown right now, but it's not terrible. Um, yeah, I definitely think that's a strategy that worked out for me this year. Is there anything else you want to touch on with drafts before we move on? I don't think so. Um, just noting, like, in a lot of my drafts, defenses were going early, and I just still don't get that. I think someone took a the Niners defense in the sixth or seventh round, and I was just, like, baffled by that. Right. All right, well, let's move on to our last segment, uh, some DraftKings DFS talk. Uh, so in the middle of the season, we do want to uh, get this into our episodes when we do have time. It's not going to be our main thing because our main thing is, like, redraft leagues, that kind of stuff. But we love DraftKings. We both play DraftKings. Um, and Bet the Nerds is a betting website as well, so we want to uh, focus on that a little bit. So we're going to go through some of our stud plays, avoids, and bargains real quick. So just one thing before like we get into it. The way that I like to set my lineup, like, there's, there's, there's three factors that go into it mainly. So the first factor is definitely opportunity. If a player has a good opportunity, if they're the starting running back on their team, I want them in my lineup. Same with wide receiver. If they're the X receiver, they're the main slot guy, I want them in my lineup. The second thing is talent. If they're not a talented player or there's a talented player above them on the depth chart, I'm probably not. it's probably going to be more tough. Like if I don't trust the talent of the player in my lineup, it's going to be tough for me to play them. The third thing is the matchup. You know... You trust the talent of players, but you're not going to play Devontae Adams against the Patriots if Julio Jones is playing like the Bengals. You're just not going to do that because you want to take the easier matchup. It'll result in more points. So those are the three things that I look at when I'm setting my lineup. Um, but is there anything you want to say about that? Well, also price. Price definitely matters. The, right. Um, if, if Julio Jones is playing the Bengals and Devontae Adams is playing the Patriots, Devontae Adams is going to be a lot cheaper than Julio Jones. And also... In that case, Julio Jones is going to be a lot higher owned than Devonte Adams. So figuring out when to play the chalky play and when to play the contrarian play is definitely a balance that comes over time when you're playing DFS. Yeah, I think the matchups is more of a uh, thing with the like bargain plays because you would never play like Anthony Miller is a great bargain play for me week one playing against Detroit, but I would never play him if he's playing against a very tough defense. You need to have that ability to break out like against that defense to play him. So let's go through some of the stud plays really quickly. What do you like? Who are some of the chalk plays that you need to be in your lineup that are maybe higher priced? Um, at quarterback, I really like Matt Ryan uh, against the Seahawks defense. Um, that game looks like it's going to shoot out. You can go Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson. Those quarterbacks look like tremendous options. I'm not looking at Tom Brady and Drew Brees just because – those games, they could run the ball a lot. 
the defenses are actually better than people give them credit for. Uh, and it's probably going to be a slower pace game too. So I'm not super on board with that. Plus those guys are going to be pretty chalky as well. And I think that ownership is going to be really high. So you can that's a place where you can get different is by not playing those guys. Kyler Murray at 6-4 against the Niners is pretty enticing just because people are going to be scared of the Niners defense. But Kyler was very good against Niners last year. So that's that's an option at quarterback as well. And then if we're just going to stay on quarterbacks for a bit, uh, you can play Bridgewater against the Raiders, although I think the Raiders are better than people give them credit for. And then a super, super deep sleeper that is going to be super low-owned is Dwayne Haskins against the Philadelphia Eagles for 5000 You're going wow. to see no one, against, no one playing Dwayne Haskins, but I'll say this. The Eagles' pass defense is very poor. Uh, people That's are going to be scared of the McLaurin match, or people are going to be scared of Darius Slay guarding Terry McLaurin. Darius Slay is does not have the speed to keep up with McLaurin. McLaurin's almost matchup proof just because he can get open against anyone. You're not going to see him get locked down because he just has that speed to break anything open. I think this game actually has quite a bit of shootout potential. So those are the quarterbacks I'm looking at. Yeah, I think if we're just going to do this position wise instead of going through said plays, that's fine with me. I think at quarterback, another guy to look at is Derek Carr on the other side of that Panthers yeah. game. The over-under for that game is 48. I think these two teams are, they both have decent offenses. The Raiders' offense is built through their offensive line, has some good weapons. The Panthers have two studs and more, and Christian McCaffrey. So I think this is going to be an offensive battle. Raiders probably win because their defense is a little stronger. But I think Derek Carr is definitely a good option. There's a very weak secondary in Carolina. Um, another guy I'm looking at is Gardner Minshew. Yeah. I think the Colts have a very good defense, but again, the over-under is high here. I think the Jags probably go down early and rely on Minshew to get them back into this game. Maybe he throws one or two picks, but I definitely think he'll throw over 250 yards. And he sneakily has rushing value, rushed for 29 yards a game last year, and that basis always helps too. Um, so that's definitely two quarterbacks that I'm looking at in Carr and Minshew. As for running back, two studs. I like Joe Mixon a lot this week. It says he's questionable right now, but I think he'll get a, like I think he'll be a full go come Sunday playing the Chargers defense, who is very weak at linebacker, and I think Mixon will have a great game. I think it'll be a pretty high scoring game that Bengals Chargers game. What do you think? Yeah, I think no matter what the price, I mean, okay, Mixon is is a good value, and I like Eckler too, and then I'm gonna throw McCaffrey just because uh, he's gonna be high owned every single week of the season. Uh, yeah. for good reason. He's 10,000 this week, which is just a ton. But, yeah. like, he's still going to have, like, 30% ownership. It's going to be ridiculous. I, li- yeah. I like Mixon because the Chargers' run defense is actually not very good compared to their past defense. Yeah. And especially yeah. a rookie quarterback like Burrow is going to be relying on that run game. So I like that. And then Eckler, it's a very plus matchup against the Bengals' defense. So that's great, too. Uh, a couple other running back plays I like. I like Miles Sanders against the Washington football team. Ooh, I was team. just going to bring that up. I like that one, too. As long as he's fully healthy and ready to go, his 6-3 price looks pretty enticing. Um, I like Jonathan Taylor, but not anymore because the workload is just too in question. He's a dart throw, I guess, for me. And then a low-owned, two low-owned guys that I think merit consideration that are going to be pretty low-owned are Tariq Cohen for 4-9 with Montgomery out. He is going to be a solid play. He's not going to win you the week, but he can provide pretty significant value on that price. And then Antonio Gibson, 
at four thousand four thousand minimum yeah. price. Antonio Gibson, he's a starting running back in Washington. So yes. if you want a cheap play, you can pair him with uh, Christian McCaffrey. Maybe at your running back slots, get that like super chalky high owned play. Maybe that super low owned guy. Maybe he's gonna be, maybe Gibson's high owned. I don't know what the ownership's gonna look like, but minimum price Antonio Gibson in week one could be a week winner. So. Keep yeah, I that. love that one. That that's my favorite one. Antonio Gibson. They they released Adrian Peterson because of how good he was in camp, and Will is finally buying into the hype. <laughs> I'm glad he's come around. Last one I want to put out is Devin Singletary going for 5,400 price, not too high, and they're playing the Jets. So I think that one is um, not bad as well. Let's move on to wide receivers though. I like DJ. Okay, so like when I pick these teams. I like to go stack the quarterback and wide receiver. So with Minshew, I usually stack DJ Chark. With Derek Carr, I actually really like the Henry Ruggs stack. With um, Tyrell Williams out, I think Ruggs will get the first look. He's a boom-bust guy, like Tyreek Hill-type player. If he goes off, that could win me my week right there, that Carr-Ruggs uh, stack. You can also stack Carr with uh, Darren Waller, too. That Yes, that's very true, too. Yeah, so I like the Carr-Ruggs stack. The Carr-Waller stack is good, too. Um, DJ Moore has a pretty plus matchup as well. Uh, I, I like the Panthers' offense a lot. Uh, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley against Seattle. Because I think Julio Jones will probably be high on this week. I mean, that's a very plus matchup for him. But I think Ridley might score a touchdown, maybe even two, against that Seattle, um, I guess, secondary. Yeah, and Ridley's 6-1 price is way too low. He's the same price as Tyler Boyd, which is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Ridley's, in future weeks, you're going to see his price skyrocket. So get a, a cheap Ridley while you can. Um, a couple other guys I think have a lot of value. McLaurin for 6-6 against the Eagles mm-hmm. defense. I... It's risky, but I, I kind of like pairing Haskins and McLaurin. McLaurin's at five six. Five six. I think yeah. he is probably going to be a top ten finisher this week at the receiver position. He might get a sixty yard touchdown. He just he he burned them last year. So yeah. if like it's super risky, but I kind of like pairing Haskins and McLaurin in week one. Wow. It's it's it it's cheap and it allows you the flexibility pick to play guys like McCaffrey. So yeah. I mean, would you play? You can't play Haskins, Gibson, and McLaurin, though. No, you probably can't. So I would say probably go Gibson or Haskins, McLaurin, or just McLaurin. Right. Um, right. All right. Yeah. Um, tight end wise, I like Hayden Hurst. I like um, Hunter Henry. Uh, I think there's a few other guys you can play, but Hurst is 4,300 right now, playing against Seattle, and that we think it's going to be a complete shootout. So I really like Hayden Hurst. And then defense. You have to pick a defense, even though it's not as fun. But Lions for twenty seven hundred again. Only defense I'm playing this week. Uh, that's the defense I have in both my lineups as well. The only other one I would think about is maybe the Eagles playing against Washington. But if I'm going to go cheap, and also the Eagles are pretty expensive. They're at they're the second most expensive team this week. So there's no way actually that I do that. Um, it'll probably be the Lions for me. Yeah. So w- one last receiver I'm considering is Deshaun Jackson at four nine, just because. Uh, they have all their receivers out. You can play Ertz too, but Jackson's going to be the number one re- outside receiver getting targets for them. 4-9 price tag looks good. At tight end, I kind of like a dart throw on Chris Herndon at a very low 3,300 price tag. Wow. Uh, I think he, as a, as a starting tight end who's going to get a pretty decent target share in that offense, I don't love the matchup against Buffalo, but the price tag, just it's kind of too good for me to pass up. Hurst yeah. at 4-3 seems like a trap just because 
Last year, the Seahawks were horrible against tight ends, and people are going to try to go back to that. But they added Jamal Adams this year in free, or in a trade with the Jets, and Adams locked down tight ends last year. So Yeah, you're right about that. I might have to change So that. Hurst, I think, is going to be higher owned just because his price tag is also pretty low at 4-3. But if Adams is on him for a decent chunk of the game, I am kind of nervous about that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, well, is there anything else you want to touch on with DFS? I don't think so. Um, if you want to play those big, those high-owned guys like uh, or the expensive guys like McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, um, you're going to need to pair them with some low-owned guys and some cheap guys like Tariq Cohen, Antonio Gibson. So uh, that's kind of all I have. And then also just... If you think a game is going to shoot out, don't be afraid to play like three or four or even like more than that guys all from the same game. Um, yeah, I have a lot of guys from the Atlanta-Seattle game in my lineups. It, I like the Las Vegas-Carolina game as it well. It can be tempting to like try to diversify your lineup, play two guys from this game, a guy from this game, a guy from that game. But if you think a game is going to shoot out, and if you're playing a especially a GPP where um, you're you're playing or you're paying low amounts of money for a chance to win big. So take chances and and don't yeah. be afraid to stack games. If you're playing cash games, maybe approach it more safely, um, more a more balanced lineup where you don't play the stars and scrubs, and more like a balanced lineup is good for cash games. But yeah. know what game mode you're playing, and then just pick guys you like, pretty much. All right. Well, I had a lot of fun with that DFS segment. We're definitely gonna get more of that in as the season goes along. Thank you guys for listening. I think Will and I have talked about social media, maybe an Instagram down the line because we want to be on that platform with like rankings and stuff if we get a good enough following. So definitely look out for that. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you again on Thursday with our um, game previews and in or out. Bye.